And, and, and Owen Wilson's like, what do you mean, who's that guy? That's Applejack, man. <laughs> and, you know, like, <laughs> Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantee is implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. I never killed no one in my life, but if you want me to start with you, let's get on with it, old man. See if you can grab that pistol before I blast you off this porch. Everyone can see and hear you. Ooh, that's dangerous. That's right, that is. uh, Anyway, hey guys, this is Recotopia 17. Uh, 17. That's right, I'm Chris Atkinson. And I am Jeremy Scott. Yep. And today's big recommend will be Hell or High Water. Uh, once again, Ooh. want to acknowledge the uh, live chat people who are watching us live recording on a Tuesday uh, before this even gets to most of you people out there. Um, but uh, yeah, how's it going? How's it going? Uh, it's going. Yeah. It's going. Yeah. You know, uh, I. <clears throat> I have some interesting small recommends. It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small, it's tiny, it's petite, it's wee. I, uh, <clears throat> I, neither of them are movies. And, uh, you know, I hope that the, the, the masses, the listenership, uh, will accept that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first is uh, a gaming platform mm. that I believe our, our friend Slab, um, who is often in the live chat, um, and who... Uh, we have met. Mm-hmm. Uh, he told me about this platform called GOG, uh, which stands uh, originally for Good Old Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may be familiar with uh, Steam, yep. a video game platform mm-hmm. for PC. This is just like that, uh, only it veers a little more towards older classic games that you can't buy in stores anymore. Mm-hmm. So. I was bemoaning the fact that I couldn't play Star Trek Armada anymore. Mm-hmm. This was a strategy simulation game in 99, 2000 that I used to play with my roommate all the time. We would play cooperatively against the computer and you just, you, you mine dilithium from purple moons and you build spaceships, you build up a fleet and you go to battle. Uh, each race has a super weapon. Uh, it's a very straightforward game. There it is. There it is. God, so many hours I played this game. Looks like they're fighting um, a Borg contraption there. The Borg are great because their um, their super weapon is basically a transporter for your, your ships. Mm-hmm. So you can open this portal and without having to spend the time flying across the space map, you can just show up at your enemy and blow them to bits. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> because of Slab and Gog... I have been able to relive this game for the last two weeks. Um, And instead of like Civilization or some golfing game or something on the PS5, I've been playing some Star Trek Armada. I'm getting my ass kicked Mm -hmm. because I always had a partner. Oh. Um, And even if I take the settings down to like, you are five years old settings, I'm still losing, (laughs) but I'm... I'm not giving up. Mm-hmm. I, I'm playing every night and I'm having a blast. Uh, so if you ever played that game, um, you can play it uh, on GOG. 
if there is another game that you used to play that you can't find anymore, go see if they have it on this thing mm-hmm. because they've got all the Fallout games. They've got the Star Wars Episode One pod racing game. Uh, they've got old sports games, uh, and it's just, it's been really nostalgic and fun for me, uh, and I can't wait to explore more. That's not a paid endorsement. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is not an advertisement. That is just a Jeremy recommend, uh, and that's my first small recommend. It's kind of like for me with the, uh, when the old games, I ended up getting it on the Switch, but there were, you know, like a whole, there was a big Castlevania bundle that they, they sold or whatever, and Ooh, yeah. uh, I used to play because I had the Genesis and a friend of mine had the Super Nintendo. We would switch game systems every once in a while and play each other's systems. And, um, awesome. and, uh, so the, the game that I came out of, uh, loving on the super Nintendo was super Castlevania four. And I must've played that game. I mean, I like, I, first off, just learning how to beat it. That's one. And then, and then after you beat it, you're like, I want to play that again. I want to do this again. The music in that game is amazing. It's, it's very, of course now it's nostalgic. So like anytime I hear that, hear it, I'm like, yeah, I want to play that game again. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I can, I can see that. That sounds like a great service. So, mm-hmm. yep. uh, I have some, uh, I don't know, fairly eclectic movies, um, uh, this week as well. Um, uh, and it really just comes down to when do you have time to watch something and what are you in the mood for and whatever. So I got recommended a movie called Lion. I think it's Lion in French. That means hate or hatred. Um, mm. it's L A H A I N E came out in 1995. Okay. It was directed by Matthew Kasovitz who did the movie Gothica, but you probably best know him as the guy that Amelie falls in love with and Amelie. And he's also ah. the robber in Fifth Element who's like, give me the cash. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's that guy. But he's, he's directed a bunch of movies in his life, too. And this is All one right. that came out in 1995. This is uh, this focuses on three buddies who are like, you know, uh, street, uh, you know, street guys that uh, they, they don't have. I don't think they have much of a life other than just hanging out with each other. They don't have much money. They have, uh, you know, so like there, this is taking place after a big riot that's happened in Paris and, uh, and, uh, one of their friends is in the hospital and it's not really a plot to this movie other than this is 24 hours of their lives after this riot. Um, and so like, it's hmm. very, uh, uh, segmented into different little parts where as they go through the day they you know who do they hang out with who do they get accosted by who are and it seems like these people just have no place in their society either the cops are giving them a whole bunch of shit for nothing or they have people who are on the street like racists who give them shit for nothing and just Mm -hmm. a lot of just you know they're having a hard time fitting in the society and it's just a fascinating movie to watch. Vincent Cassell, who's in his late 20s at this point in this movie, uh, is in wow. this. Uh, you may recognize Saeed Tagmui, who was in Three Kings, and he was the guy who tortured Mark Wahlberg in that movie. Um, okay. He is in there. And then a, a guy named Hubert Conde, or Conde, I don't know how to pronounce that name. Uh, he, he rounds out the three uh very very just interesting movie and especially if you're if you're american and you and you think oh paris they're a they're a progressive society they don't have anything that's like you know racist or bad going on there 
apparently they do. Did you know that? I mm. wow, I didn't know that. It's, it happens everywhere. <laughs> Did you realize? Um, and uh, this movie is really good. It's it's it reminded me in segments of like stuff like Boogie Nights. There's a whole there's a whole like moment where they go visit a friend. And Saeed like wants to, and that's what's funny. This is another one of those movies where all the characters have the name, have their own names, basically. Uh, oh, Vincent Cassell plays Vin, Saeed plays Saeed, Hubert who plays Hubert. Um, but they go to this guy who, uh, they go to this guy and Saeed uh, wants money back from this guy. And uh, this guy's like, like invites a man. He's all dancing around and everything, playing music and everything. And he's like, Hey, do you want to do some Coke? Hey, let's do some Coke, you know, <laughs> stuff like that, you know? And then like a uh, misunderstanding happens and then he's in, you know, they, they, people end up pulling guns on each other and stuff. So it's just one of these type of, it's one of these type of movies. Just, it's just very segmented. Uh, don't go in expecting like this overarching plot, but also get to learn some things or learn a sort of a, a way of life in Paris that you probably have never thought of before. So anyway, highly recommend. Fascinating. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. That's a, a strong, I feel even guiltier now that I don't have a, a, a movie to recommend because my second small recommend is a beverage that I made. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> beverage. Yes. Uh, you could call it a mocktail. Uh, <laughs> you could throw a little vodka in it and call it a cocktail, but at the grocery, uh, I found this. I don't know why I decided to tinker with juice, but I did. Mm-hmm. Actually, I know why. I had a similar beverage at a restaurant. I thought I'd try and recreate it. Uh, that Simply brand of juice, right? Mm. Simply Orange, Simply Apple, and uh, mm. Donald Sutherland does the voice of the The, the very um, highly sugary uh, <laughs> juice drinks, yes. Well, yes. It's uh, Simply is a very deceiving name. <laughs> yeah. Um, that being said, uh, uh, they have a Simply Limeade. Mm. So get a jug of that. It's like a liter. And then next to that in my grocery is a bunch of like healthy uh, juices and uh, fruit smoothies and energy fruit shots and whatnot, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and there's a watermelon juice, Right. And you could get an actual watermelon and press it and juice yeah, it who, yourself. that's for suckers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> you do about you take take a glass and do about halfway with the limeade, and then you go the next quarter with the watermelon juice, mm-hmm. and then you go the ne- the the final little bit with uh, Sprite Seven Up. Your your uh, bubbly of choice. Ooh. There you could even do. Like uh, carbonated water. This tastes. Uh, this <clears throat> sounds very tasty and refreshing. Actually, it's very light and tasty and refreshing. And if it's too sweet, just throw extra ice or even put a little bit of water in there mm. to dilute the sweetness. Yeah. But I don't think it's too sweet. Uh, I I thought, well, this is a whole liter of limeade. This is going to be a big waste if we don't like this uh, <laughs> because that's a lot of juice. Uh, but we already went through it. We already went through the whole thing and had to go back and get more um, in three days because my wife and I have just been drinking this like a So you cooler. are recommending your own concoction is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's kind of cocky and I didn't really think that through. No, no, that's totally think- fine. That's totally fine. I just, I kept laughing in my head thinking that Aaron was going to throw a picture up of the refreshing drink that you've been enjoying. <laughs> just, oh, no. Have, well, I- have somebody like Steve 
Steve Carell or something like with a, <laughs> with the you know his old meme. Even uh, I didn't even put that in show prep. I came up with that as my recommend like an hour ago when I was having a glass. Oh, of it okay. that I really like. <laughs> All right. Um, <clears throat> So there you go. Rick, I do think you'd enjoy it. It's light and refreshing. Mm-hmm. If you tasted my broccoli at Sinwood. Oh my god. You know, I have I have pretty good uh flavor buds. Let me let me so, let me uh, let me I I went into that thinking for some reason that was going to be a big meal for some I don't know why uh because I I'm not I'm not good <laughs> at reading comprehension is probably the reason. Um but uh, I came in there and I was like, eh, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll eat the broccoli, whatever. But I ended up eating two bowls of that stuff because it's mm. so good. And it actually tied it, it t- tied me over for uh, however long. Nice. So nice. it was pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. I am the broccoli master. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, you are. Um, uh, next one, uh, another one that this was, I just randomly, uh, uh, picked up on, um, but, um, I wanted to. I went on to the Criterion Channel, and um, I found this movie, uh, "Wait Until Dark," uh, which uh, stars Audrey Hepburn, uh, Alan Arkin, and uh, Richard Crenna. Um, uh, and it's uh, directed by Terrence Young, who did a bunch of Bond movies uh, back in the day. Um, but um, uh, Audrey Hepburn is playing a blind woman in this. In this. Um, the the movie starts off with uh, this woman picking up a doll that has heroin in in it, um, and uh, and she goes uh, and flies a, a Canada Air or something like that, and uh, runs into uh, uh, somebody named Sam on the plane, and I guess they, you know have a sort of a connection of some sort where like he's married to Audrey Hepburn. There's no affair going on here, but they have like a, they're, they're able to like have a friendship or whatever, a plain friendship of some sort. I see. Uh, but, um, uh, when she gets off of the plane, she notices someone watching her and she passes the doll along to Sam and, uh, and, uh, Sam takes the doll home. Next thing we know, we were at uh, we're in this apartment where uh, Richard Crenna and uh, another another guy played by Jack Weston uh, come into uh, come into this apartment where Alan Arkin is uh, is uh, he's playing this guy with like sunglasses he's putting on this accent all this stuff this is a different Alan Arkin performance than you're probably used to especially huh. if you only know him from like his older years like from the 90s on where he's always doing like this man he's always worried about something man you know all that type of thing. <laughs> this guy he's a little bit he's he's more in control of the situation and it's kind of a Peter Sellers-esque role because he's kind of hmm. Uh, he he kind of goes in and out of like three different characters during this whole this whole movie, um, but he tells them, "I know the doll is inside this apartment. We need to find it." And he says, "I've already looked in certain places, but I need you to help me find this by uh, by whatever whatever means." And it just so happens to be the apartment of uh, Audrey Hepburn, who's playing a blind woman, and she is the wife of the guy Sam who got the doll. And, um, and we find out that the, uh, the woman, uh, the, the woman who, uh, brought, who brought the doll in is dead because she's in that apartment. She's like in a bag, it, it, like hanging up in the closet. Audrey Hepburn walks right past it and doesn't realize that she's walked past a dead body. Um, so the, the whole movie, and you can tell this is kind of based on a play 
the whole movie is based in this apartment basically hmm. um richard crenna comes by uh uh pretending to be an old friend of her husband's and uh and uh basically trying to get some information about where's the doll. She doesn't know where the doll is, doesn't even know what the doll is, you know, doesn't even know what the doll is. Um, and as the movie goes along, you know, there's thing these guys make obvious, like some mistakes here and there where she starts getting suspicious that, oh, these are not, these people are not on the level. And you're wondering how is this blind woman going to be able to finally sort of figure out what's going on and how can she protect herself and, 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 you know, all this type of stuff. So it's a, it's a really well done thriller. I had heard of it before, but it's one of those movies. It's one of those three word movies with a simple, you know, like you, you could, you could confuse this with don't look now or, you know, (laughs) these type of movies or whatever. Uh, I had never seen this before, but like, it's really well done. Um, and if you're, if you're an Audrey Hepburn fan, like I am, you'll definitely, want to see this one because this is awesome. this is one that she did in uh uh in her later 30s and most people are familiar with like when she did sabrina and breakfast at tiffany's and all that uh the, they were familiar with this this is this is a more seasoned audrey hepburn at this point so it's interesting to see her later in her career um and uh but uh uh yeah highly recommend this i think this is really good I don't know. I'm going to put that on the list. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. It sounds Hitch Hitchcockian. Yeah, it is a little um, bit. And uh, in fact, uh, in, in yeah, and um, it also has some notes of uh, another Audrey Hepburn movie called Charade, um, mm. which uh, which is where Cary Grant goes in and plays a whole bunch of different characters all the way through it and everything. So it's kind of got that some of that too. But anyway, yeah, good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. All right. I think now it's time for this week's big recommend. Big recommend. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. Hell or high water. Hell or high water. You know what? What's great about this is that the 4K steelbook came in of this movie uh, for this very week. So wow. you you announced, hey, this is the movie. I got the 4K steelbook a couple of days later and watched it in That's 4K. Awesome. So anyway, go ahead. Ooh, on that TV. Yep, Ooh, yep. I bet that looked pretty. It was awesome. Um, <clears throat> this is a movie uh, that I like more every time I see it, mm. and it is about two brothers um, basically trying to simultaneously screw over the bank and keep their family land. Um, the bank had basically knowingly given a loan to their mother that they knew she would basically not be able to ever repay. So they would be able to repossess the land. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> this is, uh, a place where there ultimately ends up being oil discovered. Yeah. Uh, maybe the bank is just looking to suck up all the land they possibly could. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Mom is now gone. She's passed. She got sick. Uh, Chris Pine was at home taking care of her. Ben Foster was in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, and these two brothers are so different and so similar. Uh, Chris Pine is a lot more thoughtful. Uh, a lot more intentional and introspective. Ben Foster is basically, I mean, the Tasmanian devil mm-hmm. in human form. Mm-hmm. He has no chill, no filter, 
Um, but they love each other mm-hmm. uh, because they had an abusive father. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ben Foster openly says he shot him. He got tired of all the beatings and he shot him. Um, <clears throat> he even says, I wrote this down, he even says, uh, she always hated me for standing up to him. And Chris Pine says off camera, we all got punished. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like there's so much pain mm-hmm. in this history. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, Ben Foster's out of prison. He's back. Um, and, uh, they're going to go rob some banks and, uh, Pacific banks. Yeah. The, the uh, Mid- Texas Midland Bank, which is the bank that owns the deed to their land. There's even a part where the, the guy that is helping them financially says, watching you boys pay these assholes back with their mm-hmm. own money has got to be the most Texas thing I've ever mm, yeah. seen or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, at the same time, we are following two uh, marshals, two sheriffs, uh, Jeff Bridges, classic about-to-retire cop on one last case. Yeah, Texas Rangers. Uh, and, Texas Rangers. Yeah. Yes, Texas Rangers. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, and his partner, who is part Mexican, part uh, Indian, and Jeff Bridges just berates mm-hmm. him and ridicules him with bigoted jokes mm-hmm. the entire film, and yet they love each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a lesser director might have Jeff Bridges say a line right at the end when his partner dies. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if I'm spoiling it for you. You're going to love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jeff Bridges is such a good actor. He can just go, huh, yeah, and convey seven emotions yeah. and let you know the loss he's feeling, even though he has to keep going in the moment. God, Mm -hmm. the acting performances in this film, all four of those leads, knock it out of the park. Um, And with lesser actors, I just don't think it works. Obviously, Jeff Bridges is a king, but Chris Pine and Ben Foster, I think, are two of our best uh, actors in that generation. Mm -hmm. I guess they're probably both in their 40s at this point. Yes, they are. Um, Um, Just magnetic as hell. What do you think about this movie? Yeah, uh, obviously this was my uh, pick for 2016. Favorite movie of the year, best movie of the year. Um, I don't think anything has changed about that, although I haven't been keeping up with all the 2016 going, you know, comings and goings, 2016. (laughs) Uh, But this was my favorite movie of that year. Um, And I have now watched it probably four times total um at this point and uh yeah there's always something new that you get out of it i mean you may know some certain themes that uh, that pop up but um but uh this is one this is something that i was picking up on on the fourth viewing and then i, I watched a whole bunch of like you know uh, making of uh, featurettes on this thing afterwards and um first off what's re- re- really interesting is like what this British director, David McKenzie, is seeing when he goes to America, basically. When they went to go yeah. scout for scouting locations, they shot this in New Mexico uh, for Texas. Um, uh, and But they went to Texas. They actually took a road trip through Texas. And and uh, one of the things that they noticed was, like, all the different, like, signs about, you know, are you in debt? Are you, you know, that's something that's very prominent through all of this. Are you in debt? Or is there, and then you go to, like, these these small towns that aren't anything anymore. They used to be vibrant. Now they're not anymore. This is all brought to the uh, to the front with, uh, with Alberto's uh, thing when he's talking to Jeff Bridges when he says, 
he says, uh, you know, 150 years ago, this was my ancestor's land. And then your great grandparents took it from us. Now someone else has taken it from you guys. And it has nothing yep. to do with the war or race or anything like that. And it's then he points to these Texas Midlands bank that they're out there staking out uh, during this whole thing. And and so like the the you know, the 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 America that this guy is seeing and of course taylor sheridan is actually from texas so a lot of this is is him is you know a lot of this is him in fact it's it's uh a lot of i think a, i think a lot of times we consider this a taylor sheridan film even though you yeah. know that's how that's how strong a writer he is so yep. uh but you know this is something that they've seen going on in America right now. And there's a different kind of war being, being, uh, sent up here. I think the, I think it's really interesting too this, this, uh, this, uh, relationship between Marcus and Alberto, because yeah, Marcus is, he, he, he's like constantly saying all these like racist jokes to him. Now you can see Alberto, he just kind of like, Oh, that was a little bit over the line, but he doesn't care. It's like, this is, this is the the dance that they do. This is how he shows his affection. He doesn't know how to show it yes. any other way, and and uh, and so like even I mean you may you may actually be very well be laughing when Alberto gets shot in this because he because because Marcus tells him like hey you want to go up there and like throw a tomahawk at this guy and that's right as he says that that's when he gets shot in the head and I think that's another thing. You know, I don't know if he if he's looking back at all the stuff that he's all that abuse he's heaped on his partner over the years, but that's probably got to go through his head when he's sitting there seeing his partner die in front of him. Yeah. The other thing that you see yeah. in this is like all the bro culture that's going on. Mm. Yep. And there's a point where Ben Foster is just lying there in the car. Just I don't think he's oh, even staring at. The, I don't even think he's even looking at that guy. And no. and the guy. <clears throat> A guy drives up and he's like, he's like, Hey, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? And then he's like, and, uh, and, and Foster says something vague, like, you know, you wouldn't even be able to get out of the car or something like that. And then he says, you'd think there was 10, ten of, me. of me. Yeah. You'd think there's 10 of me. And then, uh, and then, so the guy pulls out the gun and like, like wraps it up against his, his door and, uh, and, uh, you know, it becomes that kind of thing. But then Chris Pine and probably his most vicious, uh, part of the, uh, of his whole, the whole thing. Cause you know, this is a guy who has no record, nothing. He's doing this Robin, this Robin Banks is very new to him. He has never done this before. Yep. So it's a very big surprise to come to see him come up and just absolutely fold this guy in half over his car yeah. and beat him into it and everything and then he goes over to the passenger side he's he was right he was you're right you're right he went he went too far <laughs> um i wrote down that this scene is what shows how similar those brothers really are the whole movie ben foster is the guy who would snap and chris pine is the guy who would walk away from a fight and in this one moment ben foster is the chill relaxed guy and chris pine comes out and just beats ass and i feel like that is meant to underscore both how similar they are but their their bond their connection right mm -hmm. because this is a movie that tests me personally on the power of family mm -hmm. right because i'm i'm pretty close with my brother today uh growing up we were not at 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 these guys' age, we would not have been anywhere near as close as they mm -hmm. are, but they have this 
love that is because their family. Mm-hmm. And no matter what stupid shit Ben Foster does, Chris Pine is still going to love his fucking brother. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I also just read today, and I think it's interesting, um, the timing on the Steelbook and this interview with uh, Taylor Sheridan. Mm-hmm. But he talked about uh, the insult that drove him to become a writer. Because mm. he was an actor mm-hmm. first. He still acts. Um, but uh, he was on Sons of Anarchy. And I guess he was uh, a recurring role, and his agent asked for a raise. And somebody at the show said, uh, no, <laughs> we're going to pay him what we pay him because we could pay him more, but this is what he's worth. Mm. He's 11th on the call sheet. Mm. I can replace him tomorrow. Yeah. And I was like, damn. And from that, we get this movie and all the Yellowstone mm. and Wind River. And he, he goes, well, I'm going to write and prove him wrong. And man, mm-hmm. I just love a good... Mm, revenge kind of Hollywood story like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we root for these guys. They are robbing the bank, but the movie sets the bank up to be so evil mm-hmm. that we want them to succeed, but they're not great people. Um, Chris Pine is trying, um, but their, their evil deeds are righteous. Well, you have, um, you, you have to be a little bit naive like Chris Pine is to think that you're going to be able to go through all these banks and not end up hurting somebody. Um, yes. Especially the way they end up because at first it's a little bit more careful. They're trying to get there at the, the time of the opening of the bank so that there's nobody there and they're only getting the stuff out of the drawers and whatever. But he doesn't, he's also not in tune with how his brother thinks on this type of stuff. So when he tells them we need to go to this one bank because it's a bigger bank and it's got the mo- the money that we need and we can stop doing it right then and there, that's too attractive an option to turn down. And that's what leads to their demise because, well, at least to Ben Foster's demise because we yes. we we don't you know if you're if you're naive about this, you're like, oh well, we've hit three or four banks and and it's all been fairly smooth to this point. We can go into this one too. There's a little bit more risk, but not that much more risk. You, of course, there's substantial more risk going in there, and especially mm-hmm. as this movie constantly reminds you, you are in Texas, where everybody <laughs> guns. has guns, man. <laughs> like the, even the one where they rob the, you know, they rob that second one, and they and that one guy is there, and he's like, "You have a gun?" He's like, "You damn right, I have a gun." <laughs> <laughs> and he runs out shooting yeah, them after they leave. Yeah, and then like like half the people in that bank have guns, and then like people outside mm-hmm. the bank, and then like there's, there's like there's there's all these roving like just looking to be in a posse type guys running around. Like it's crazy. Like 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 oh they see somebody running to the bank. All right, now we're all gonna do the vigilante justice thing because that's yeah, what we do. Which is crazy because I think everybody knows the bank as an institution is evil and yet there's something about robbing a bank all the bystanders are like them son of bitches Mm -hmm. like they're all against these two guys like pulling out guns to defend the bank i guess one of those guys was a security yeah yeah um yeah it's uh it goes off the rails in ways i like how you point out him being naive Mm -hmm. because you know i feel like ben foster he kind of subtly knows something's coming. And that's why yeah. when he does say, you carry on, I'll distract him. 
you know, I feel like that is atonement. Yeah. Right. That is, you know, I killed our dad. I got us in big trouble. Mm -hmm. I probably did shit to you like this for the last 30 years. Uh, but I'm going to save you this time. And it's a, it's a odd, violent act of love. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Very, very to save his complex emotional stuff <laughs> going on there. It really yeah. is. It really is. And it's on the surface, it seems like such a simple story, uh, but it's not. It's got so many layers and ways that you can unpack it. And uh, I don't know. He kind, I just... of, uh, he kind of sets that tone very early. After their first uh, robbery or two, he tells them, uh, how long has it been since you've seen your kids? And he's like, you know, I think it's been a year at this point. And, uh, and he goes, well, you might want to go and, and, uh, see him, uh, sometime in the next uh, day or so. And, and it's sort of setting that up as, you know, you could, you can die anytime doing this. You don't, you don't realize it. Now it's, it's up to Ben Foster to actually spell that out. Although in the movie, I think it's, you know, it works, it works pretty great to, to not just spell it out that way. But I mean, he, yeah. he probably should say you can die. And I, I've, I've been in situations like this where I've seen people that I've done jobs with have died. So and he also yeah. says, I've never seen anybody who gets away with it. And that proves true even by the end of it, when he gets away sure. with it, because there's sure. a lot of, there's a lot of punishment for him, even though he's gotten what he wants at the end, which is to, Oh yeah, to, you know, to not only get to pay for this land, but to put it in a trust so that the say his kids have it. Just another thing that the movie explores is about talk is talking about how, um, you know, this this kind of uh, living, this poor living, is is handed off generation to generation to generation to generation, while yep. these like Texas Midland banks and stuff all just steal up all the land and everything and. And, uh, and here, here he's basically saying it stops here. This is why my favorite scene of the movie could be where he's in the bank with the guy paying for the land and he sets up the trust by the end of it because yeah. he sits there. He, of course, he's not in for any sort of niceties, especially after what's happened, but yeah. especially now that he's finally sticking it to this bank. Uh, the guy's like giving him, oh, well, it takes time to do this. And he goes, well, I got all the time in the world. And he just sits yeah. there. And so basically <laughs> he waits until this guy faxes all the information and makes sure that it's, you know, that it's official before he leaves. Because he knows that if he leaves, they're going to try to find some technicality uh, about this that is going to hold this up. So he wants to make. Mm -hmm. So this is probably some of the best Chris Pine has ever been right here. That one spot. I mean, he's he's off. Also, incredibly good when the the hooker comes up to him and starts uh, wanting to go. That scene is super complex because I feel like a he wants to do it. B he knows that he shouldn't because it probably is a scam. She's going to steal his money. But see, also, I get the sense he's still in love with his wife, and yeah. and and there's a lot of things going on in that scene where he's like sitting there, like considering doing this and saying, "Fuck it, I'm just you know, wouldn't it be nice to just yeah. have like one little roll in the hay, even if even if they steal my money, you know, who cares? Yeah. This may not work anyway, yeah. you know." Uh, but then Ben yeah. Foster comes in and saves the day. So anyway, I also love you on top of that generational poverty, um, the institutional 
blase attitude about like the casino. They're laundering money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's like got this story like, oh, I've sold my car and this guy only could pay me in cash. Right. And she just goes, we'll yeah, take it anyway. Like, Whatever. You bring it, honey. <laughs> yeah. We don't give a shit. That's sort of uh, the, we uh, want money. if you've ever seen owning Mahoney, it's got that same sort of, uh, uh, feel to it where they, where he's, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman has stolen money from his bank to go and gamp to play craps. And, uh, and, uh, John Hurt plays the, the casino guy and everybody's like, where, where you got that money from? He's like, I don't want to know where they got that money from, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it comes down to that, uh, with that. It's so, it is really funny. Like they don't really care at all. Yeah. I, I love the final scene. The first time I watched this movie, I wondered if it was necessary, but now I don't think the movie is complete without it. When Jeff Bridges walks up on the land, at Chris Pine now owns mm. well his wife and former wife and kids are living yeah. there and he's just there to fix it up uh but that conversation i feel like jeff bridges really just wants to say i know it was mm -hmm. you and you may have gotten away with it but you didn't get away with it yeah um but i i do agree with you that chris pine pines <laughs> for his wife uh, -huh. uh but also i think he has learned he's not i think the the trust of the land is the only way he feels he can be a good father. Mm -hmm. um, that scene in the backyard where he offers his kid a beer sort of proves that he's just clueless at dad. Yeah. Because the kid goes, you first you tell me not to be like you and do screw up things and then you offer me a beer. Mm -hmm. Which is it? Yeah. And Chris Pine is like, good answer. Yeah. But he would have given that kid that beer. He would have let that kid drink Absolutely. it. And I think the, that's part of that's part of it. He, they had such a shitty dad, right? Mm -hmm. the da their dad was abusive straight up. Yeah, uh, he's not going to be that. Yes, he's he's distant. He's you know he's not there for them, um, but he's going to do something. Damn it! And it's going to be this. Yeah, uh, and 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 even though I say he, I feel like he's got some feelings for his wife, even though that's never really truly expressed in the entire movie. There's just some moments in there where I think there's still he doesn't think he has a chance or anything it's not like some weird like oh maybe if i do this she'll be she'll, right. she'll i think more uh it's just that there's still something there like he still he's he still loves her but wants her to be happy more than anything and yeah. and especially at the end where he's like you know i'm just gonna do a couple more things i'll be back in the morning and then i'm gonna help him with his homework there's still there's that's that's a little bit more than just working on the ranch you know there's still yep. a little bit of like homebody type of stuff going on there but uh but uh yeah god what a movie i don't think there's a bad part in this movie at all there's not one moment where you're like okay i could get through this faster already um no because even when after they've done robbed the banks and it gets to that big section where it's basically all four characters relationships and everything and it's just going through all these different things and you know you have the the big speech about who's stealing whose land and you have all these different things that are going on before they get to that next bank all of that is just so important and and, and informs you of what's going on uh, and why this is happening so um uh god this movie's so good yeah mm -hmm. i think it may be time for the surprise double feature be very, very quiet. Secret? What secret? A dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. 
Okay, so uh, I went through um, a lot on this one. Um, I went through a lot of movies. Um, uh, there was one that I thought of called Normal Life. This is not the double feature, but Normal Life. It has Ashley Judd and Luke Perry in it. Um, Luke Perry is a former, a cop who starts robbing banks and he does, and he does this, uh, without the knowledge of his wife and, and his wife has some issues. She, she definitely needs to have therapy and, and everything. Um, and, and when she finds out that he robs banks, she wants to join him. But she is a total wild card when it comes to going out into into. The, he's very professional, but she's not, and so uh. uh, so robbing banks becomes like a you know she's the Ben Foster of this of this. Although Ooh. although honestly, Luke Perry is the Ben Foster too as far as expertise is is concerned. But he's more he's more Chris Pine and how cool and chill he is. But Ashley Judd is is always like she's they rob a bank and they're like, let's go rob another one right now, even though there's like heat on them and everything. Um, oh, man. Uh, so. So, yeah, there's a lot. There, there, I've, I've seen some really good ones here. They're 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 all they're all really good. Like a simple plan. People are, are mentioning simple plan is a great a double feature. Logan Lucky is a definite definitely a great uh, a double feature. My uh, I ended up on Bottle Rocket, though. Oh, awesome. Um uh Wes Anderson's debut film um with Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson uh has James Caan. Um Owen Wilson is I he is in a he's in a I think he's in some sort of mental institution or something at the beginning of the movie. And uh he he's he's free to go, but this is the kind of movie it is. He's he's free to go, but he wants to make it seem like he's escaped from there. <laughs> And so, so they make it, they make it seem like he's busting out of this, out of this place. And on the bus, he shows Luke Wilson, his, like his one year plan, his five year plan, his 10 year plan and everything ends up that he wants to have this big, huge heist at like some steel factory or something by the end of it. But, uh, but, uh, bottle rocket is really, really fun. I think even if you don't typically like, uh, Wes Anderson movies, uh, this is so before he becomes the Wes Anderson that, you know, that I think you can yep. enjoy this without having that baggage, um, because there's none of that usual stuff. Although a lot of the quirks and the screenplay and things like that, you'll very much be familiar with, uh, cause yeah. it was, it was even back then, but, uh, bottle rocket is fantastic movie and it's another heist movie involving brothers and, uh, think it's a really good one to go along with this that's a good call mm -hmm. <clears throat> i have only seen bottle rocket once and i remember really enjoying it and you're right the the visual language that some people find wes anderson too cutesy for mm -hmm. is not fully established in this film um and it might be a, a way in uh, for you to be able to enjoy mm -hmm. it um, yeah there's a there's a that's <laughs> there's a point where like they're in the heist uh, uh, at the end and uh, and uh, like uh, there's a there's a recurring actor that Wes Anderson always used in his movies early back in the day I don't remember his name but he's in this one and uh, and uh, there's a point where they're running along and there's one of the other guys in the heist is going to do something else and he's like 
who's that guy? And, and, and Owen Wilson's like, what do you mean, who's that guy? That's Applejack, man. <laughs> and you know, like, and, and uh, <laughs> so it just shows you how disorganized this whole heist is at the end. It's so fun. <laughs> who's that guy? <laughs> so. All right. Good call. Um, that was a deep cut. Mm-hmm. Let's have uh, next week's homework. So uh, I think it was a few weeks ago. I don't remember if we were on air when we were talking about it or if it was uh, something that, that made it into the show. This is a movie that was sorely uh, not talked about too much in 2021. Uh, the movie Mass. Oh. And uh, I don't think you have seen this movie yet. I have not, but it's on my list. And... Uh, and uh, I think you are going to come out of this one just you you will not you will want to talk about it immediately. Um, <laughs> you're going to be like like you're going to want to slack a whole bunch of stuff to me after you see this movie. And I'm going to be like, we got to save it for the show, man. We got to save it for the show. Um, this movie snuck up on me as well. I had. Uh, was trying to complete like you know all the big 2021 movies, all the ones that had any kind of critical acclaim at all, and I slipped this one in one day, and I was like, okay, okay, what the fuck is going on in this? What is going? Oh, what is this? What is this about? And you slowly hmm. start to get to, to, to understand, and it becomes such a, a, it's just it's a it's a different kind of experience. That's all I can say. So uh, can't awesome. wait till you see it. All right, Mass is on Hulu mm-hmm. for subscribers, not even premium subscribers. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you that want to watch uh, for next week's discussion, I'm very excited that you picked this. It has a 95 on Rotten Tomatoes, so if I don't like it, uh, it's probably my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited to scratch it off the list. And uh, I think we still have some time for some Yeah, questions. some time to do some questions. Any questions? Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. All right. In an old Sincast episode, Chris described Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back as extremely 2001. Mm. What other movies do you think are extremely the year they came out? Mm, mm, yeah. There's a there's quite a few, and I think a lot of times these teen movies are very much the year that they came out because they're trying to appeal to that same demographic. Therefore, they use this you know they have all the clothes, they have all the music, they have all so like can't hardly wait is like one of those. Ah. Clueless is is 1995 as it gets. Um, uh, there's uh, I think even stuff like Josie and the Pussycats, which is is a remake of an old cartoon, but like still it's in 2001, I believe 2001, 2002. It's very much that era um, of film. So I th- that's what I sort of gravitate towards whenever it's like in whenever you know you what what when something is as 2001 as fuck or whatever it's it it tends to have a lot of music and a lot of fashion and a lot of whatever of that particular era and like even a movie like this is this is not a teen movie but like triple x which came out in like 2002 2003 somewhere around there Mm. Like, mm. it starts off with, like, a, a Rammstein concert and, like, <laughs> like just so many different things about it. Just like, okay, yeah, that, that early 2000s feel. So, um, so anyway. All right. I, uh, I, I don't think this is a bad thing. Okay. Uh, but I think Back, Back to the Future is 1980, 85 as fuck. Mm-hmm. Out. 
The reason it's not a bad thing for me is I lived through 1984. Right. So I can appreciate the fashion, the, you know, they're constantly making fun of his life preserver mm -hmm. because in the mid eighties, we wore puffy vest jackets. I don't know yeah, why yeah. we did it. Uh, the, the Pepsi free and tab jokes. Oh, if you're yeah. like 20 years old, do those even land? At Probably all? not. Probably because not. Both of those went out like way before 2000, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and, I don't care. It's one of the best movies ever made. And uh, it, it, if you were trying to make a movie feel like 1985, you couldn't do as good enough job as this one did. It's partly all that Huey Lewis stuff. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, like you said, music and fashion is part of what makes a movie feel like mm -hmm. this. Um, but again, I, I, I'm not denigrating the film for feeling 1985 as fuck. I also wrote down that Glass is 2019 as fuck solely for that goddamn salt page oh yeah where, no kidding that's why that's yeah. it's hard right like it's hard not to make references a lot of times and i i think yeah. references are totally fine but sometimes we have filmmakers that go overboard like i think they did i think judd apatow definitely did back in his knocked up and 40 year old virgin days because it was right there's just so many of those where it's like whoa that's like very that time like that's never mm -hmm. going to be funny any other time other than yeah. 2006 or whatever so like so you got to be careful a lot of times and, and 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 diablo cody is is was was a lot like that too when she did juno and jennifer's body and all that mm -hmm. there's a lot of these like and you'll ask them, you'll ask somebody like Diablo Cody and like, oh, I really like it when, you know, you watch a movie from the eighties and they talking about something that happened only at that time or whatever. And like, yeah, I can see that. And it's just that yep. a lot of times it dates your movie hard. It's, it's the only problem. Yep. I see some, I mean, in 20 years, if they watch our sins video from a couple of weeks ago where we made a joke about the Oscars slap. Yeah. No one's going to know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah, maybe. Like 20 years from if, the, <laughs> if YouTube still exists. Maybe. The Oscar, uh, Oscar slap might be might be something that's up there for a while, though. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I see do, some pretty uh, good ones here. Highlanders, excessively 80s, especially because of the Queen soundtrack. That's one of the, the yeah. big, big reasons. Uh, uh, Venom. <laughs> yeah, I like this comment. Venom is 2004 as fuck. It just happened to come out in 2017. <laughs> um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, that's... That's a, that is yep. for sure late eighties for sure. So, um, a special, especially all the casual homophobia, like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that when I saw that movie when it came out didn't even make me blink an mm -hmm. eye because it was so rampant back. Then. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Um, do you have another question? Let's do another question. Mm -hmm. Let's do uh, if. Well, this one we, we can do pretty quick, uh, but I'll let you handle it. Okay. Uh, if there's a screening at the movie theater that has no seats sold within 10 or so minutes before the previews are scheduled, does it still play to no one, or is it canceled in the queue? Okay, so you have um, you have several different thoughts on this one, right? So uh, back in the day when you'd run 35 millimeter, I would say that most theaters probably just went ahead and ran the movie and just said screw it i don't care uh whatever which is probably the right thing to do but if you're someone like me who was working at williamson square back in the 1990s and 
we'd have some movie that was like the firm, uh, you know, at 10 o'clock and it was going to get out at 1230 or something like that. You really, really, especially on a weeknight, you really hope that nobody would come and see it. Uh, and, yeah. and you could shut everything down. Um, uh, so in the digital era, there's not going to be any movie that doesn't start, uh, there, unless it's, there's a malfunction of some sort because they're all auto start. Uh, um, mm. unless there's some special, uh, uh, thing that some theaters are going through it, you know, back when, when I was playing, when I was, when I was doing digital, everything auto started after a while. I mean, you manually started it for a while and then they just said, all right, we're just going to auto start it. Um, but what I would do back in the day is if I was almost certain a movie was going to, like if a movie wasn't going to keep me late, I was going to start that no matter what. If a movie was going to keep me 15 minutes later and there was a chance that it wasn't going to sell, I would keep it unthreaded and not start it. And with the digital, even if it auto starts, I would, I would go over and like, I'd go and look into the auditorium and see if there was anybody in there. And if it wasn't anybody in there like 20, 30 minutes into the show, I just turn it off. And, mm. um, uh, occasionally, yes, you would get people who would come late for a movie like 15 minutes late for a movie and in those cases i typically would if i had not started it i would remove the trailers from the movie um that way it would just start into the movie and i wouldn't have to worry about uh you know the extra time that it would that it would that would put on there so there was a variety of ways that you can do it i would say i haven't been i've been worked in movie theaters for almost 10 years now but I would almost say that every movie runs no matter what these days. And and whoever's responsible for turning off things at the end of the night, they just go and like, all right, just turning everything off. No big deal. Like it's, they don't care if the movie is keeping them late or not. They're just, you know, so that's. It's a dangerous game to play holding the start of a, of a 35 millimeter film, mm -hmm. right? Like I was. 2002, I was GM of a 10 screen. Mm -hmm. And if, every now and then, the booking people will just fuck you mm -hmm. on the show times. Yep. And we had, We Were Soldiers, the Mel Gibson film. Oh, God. Originally was titled We Were Soldiers Once and Young. Yeah, which I think was um, the book's title. Two and a half hour movie, they gave me a 9.55 show time. Mm -hmm. Every other film that I had in this 10 screen was going to be done by 11.30. But with trailers, this bastard was going to go till 1 in the morning. Mm -hmm. But if I, so if, if I have zero tickets and it's a Wednesday night and it's 9.55, I might not start it because mm. I want to go home an hour mm -hmm. earlier, right? But if I wait and somebody comes in because they know about trailers and they come in 15 minutes late for the movie and buy, now I'm going to be here till 1.15 instead of 1 because mm -hmm. I have to go start the film for that late person. So it's a dangerous well, game. Well, and that's why, that's why, you know, and I know you knew how to do this, but that's why being able to pull the trailers off is such a huge advantage on that type of thing. Right. So if you have somebody, and I would always like, I, I think I would usually pull all the way to the attached trailer. So that way I would thread with the attached trailer and it would be in the middle of the attached trailer and not the film itself. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. but at, at least, at least, you know, you know, um, I wouldn't be sitting through 20 minutes, and especially when the, in the days where they had the ads also baked into that preview pack 
and everything. Yeah. But that's that's the thing. Like knowing how to get that preview pack out and 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 running it without it, that was a huge key to that. And I was always like, yeah, if someone shows up 15 minutes late, guess what? I'm pulling 15 minutes of trailers off this thing, and then I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna run it, and then I'll attach it back again, and you know they'll it'll run the same way the next day. So. That was always my philosophy on that. I think though this question also asked something to the effect of like, how many times does this have to happen um, yeah, before, before they pull the, it from pull the it theater? Out. Well, that's all between your booker and the studio. Um, like, uh, like for instance, if a movie were to just not have ticket sales for a whole day, guaranteed that's going to be leaving by the next time you get a new movie that comes in. We had at Williamson Square, we had a movie, we had Outbreak, had zero huh. ticket sales the entire week, the week, uh, Monday through Thursday during its run. And in fact, it was back in the old days where they used to call, like exhibitor relations used to call and say, mm. uh, what was your, what was your uh, number like your amount yeah. that you had and like outbreak i remember working that thursday going uh, outbreak zero and they were like so let me look at you do you have outbreak a zero for the entire week and i looked down at it and i was sure enough it was zero the entire week and i was like yep yep zero for the entire week and i mean you know and then outbreak was was obviously gone i mean they they knew it was already i mean even the weekend gross told you that it was going to be gone so there's no amount that it can that's the thing. There's no amount that it can uh, do that where they'll just say, all right, let's just open some other movie early or like, let's give you another, you know, I don't know, give you another Spider-Man until that one uh, gets out. They, they run, they run it until that's bitter end. You have to, you have to. Yeah. Um, and they also yep. they get mad at you even when you make your own decisions. And I, I've told this before, like, uh, I remember we had a movie, a big movie, in Auditorium 17 in Hollywood 27. 17 went down. I found a movie that did nothing at all and said, all right, let's put that movie in there. And then we'll put, I think I put it in a big auditorium and I put another, I, I switched another print to the smallest auditorium. So that's how that went. And I would, I, I, I mean, it had five minutes to make that decision. Otherwise, we'd lose all those people. And, yeah, the whole and so then I, after the fact, <laughs> told Regal about it and said, I canceled this movie that did nothing, hint, hint, and, and, uh, and whatever. And they were like, you're never supposed to do that ever. Uh, you know, they could pull this movie from us the next time. Like, no, they're not. You know, they're not. You just, you just, you know, you're just making shit up at this point. Man, corporations suck. When I worked for Kroger as a manager, uh, they have like a six-month training program, and they pound into your head about dates. Mm. I, even now as a shopper, I, I check dates on things in the grocery constant. Mm -hmm. And if you find anything out of date, you pull it. Mm -hmm. So one day we're training in this one store. It was Green Hills. We're training in the deli at Green Hills. They have a nice crew. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> me and a buddy, we're in the cooler, and the district manager's lecturing about something. And I look over to my right and happen to notice hey, that ham is out of date. Oh, damn. And then I found a cheese right next to it was out of date. And when there was a pause, my buddy and I were like, hey, just FYI, this stuff over here is out of date. And they were like, you should be paying attention to us and what I'm talking about. Blah, 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 oh, blah, blah. Oh, my God. And basically yelled at me for doing the job they were trying to teach me to do subconsciously. Mm -hmm. That's like, I always said, I really like. The people in the stores at Kroger, but 
the, the company itself, I think, is evil. Mm-hmm. Well, I think most grocery stores are evil. And just, just look how they're laid out a lot of times. That's, that's, that <laughs> just goes to show you how evil they are. Uh, yep. But, uh, all right. Well, uh, once again, thank you, chat, uh, for uh, coming out and, uh, list- and uh, mm-hmm. watching us and listening to us uh, during this one. Uh, we appreciate you guys so much for coming out and, uh, and uh, supporting us. So, uh, next week is mass 2021 film directed by the guy who was the stoner in cabin in the woods. Uh, that's right. I love that. That's right. It's amazing. It's amazing. But all right. Anyway, we'll see you guys. Um, See you later. See ya. Bye. part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at patreon at patreon.com slash cinema sins chat with us on the cinema sins discord at discord.gg slash cinema sins or cinema sins twitter at cinema sins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinema sins.com that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinema sins.com That's Windows 11 for you. Oh, Johnny, is there a way to turn the volume up? Uh, the new Thor trailer. I've not seen um, that. Which shows off a lot more Natalie Portman and a lot of Christian Bale, who looks freaking awesome. I bet he does. Um, and then uh, the the Gray Man with the. Uh, Ryan uh, Gosling and Chris Evans and Anna de Armas. Yeah, ooh. And it's the Russo brothers. Okay. uh, International spy versus spy. Nice. Chris Evans is uh, the bad guy, and he's pretty hilarious. Maybe there will be more good movies this year than I thought about two months ago. Um, But although I will say Thor was one of the few movies when I looked through the summer that I was, I was like, there's two movies I'm kind of interested in. Mm-hmm. Thor was one of them. Yeah, but <clears throat> it does look really good. It does look Ragnarok-y, uh dialed up to eleven. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I will. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm everything that Taika does these days. I'm all about about it. So I know that there are some Thor fans out there who really wish that he was the comic book Thor. And I don't, I don't know enough about the comic book Thor to to know what what it is. But obviously, he's a way more serious superhero than they have turned oh. him into with Chris Hemsworth. <clears throat> um, I don't know. Right, I, but when he has been serious in the films, it has not worked. Yeah, right. It works better when he's goofy. Yeah, and and so that's for me. It's like I'm kind of glad he is different because it, just adding even more angst and misery to all these other superheroes that show up i just you know who who needs it i'm sure the outtakes being full of hockey talk is really fun for all the audience are you following any of the avalanche blues series i watched uh part of that blues game last night they got up two to nothing did the the avalanche come back oh yeah the avalanche came back dude who took out the goalie in the previous game had a hat trick oh damn there was a moment where St. Louis, I got to find the video after this and send it to you. There was a moment where three, two St. Louis guys 
are th- there's no explanation for what they're doing to this guy other than trying to injure him by spearing at him with their bodies. <laughs> they they both go into the box and he scores on a five on three. Oh man. I, I, when I saw him up two nothing, I was like, eh, maybe they'll tie the series, but the avalanche are just such a good team, man. They're just so good. Uh, avalanche versus lightning. If that happens, oh my God, what a series that's going to be. I mean, I really, I don't want the lightning to win. I don't want them in, even in the finals, even though it looks inevitable at this point, because they've won the last two years, yeah. I think, in a row. Yeah. And this is after they got a, got swept in the first round. I think they had won the President's Cup and everything. They got swept in the first round. That's right. And That's then right. they went on to win two Stanley Cups after that. Uh, but yeah, that would be the best matchup in terms of entertaining hockey. That mm. would be a dynamite. I mean, I mean that Avalanche are just... Ugh. That feels like a guaranteed seven-game series, but who knows? Maybe one of those teams is vastly superior to the other one and it wouldn't it feels be feels like the theme of this year's playoffs are somebody's goalie gets injured mm-hmm. yeah that's the that's one of the biggest scams in sports is is these owners who say they can't pay guys and um yep and they're constantly telling fans we're in this rebuilding process just stay with us we'll get the young guys in and then the young guys will be good and then we'll contend and you know i mean these guys have millions and millions and millions and sometimes billions of dollars and they sit there and go no i can't can't pay that guy can't do it righteous righteous mm-hmm.